these guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. All right, we got our guy. It's a Jim Pete Thursday here on Flagrant Howls, a Timberwolves lifestyle podcast. We'll get you a random wolf of the week before the episode is over. But gentlemen, today we celebrate the Minnesota Timberwolves matching their season-long win total from last season with like 25 or 27 games to go. How about that, Jim Pete? No one's happier than me. And, you know, and no one deserves it more than me either. Because I, you know, well, there's, <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of Timberwolves fans. You know, the, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the swag around. They got these, uh, these, these jackets for the people that have been season ticket holders for 35 years walking around. These things are pretty sweet. Like, there have been some lifelong Timberwolves fans that have paid a lot of money to sit in those seats. So I guess they deserve it more than me. But, I've had to actually sit through the games. They can turn them off and walk away. I've had to sit there and watch it. So I'm enjoying this so much that I can't even tell you. I'm just pinching myself every game. And, Kyle, I love your tweets. I mean, like all the stuff you've been tweeting about, you know, this team had this many wins when, and then also the fact that we get to watch Anthony Edwards every night. I just, oh, I can't tell you how happy it makes me. And then, Kyle, you're not in the arena, but – Target Center is just such an awesome place to be and to see the looks on people's faces, you know, when they're leaving the arena after an incredible win. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. Um, it's just so much fun. I can't tell you. Well, and this is going to sound like brown nosing, and I think we might get into debates here later, but it's also nice because I'm not in the arena. It's never been called better. You and Grady, as we've said every week now, are awesome. When Grady just yelled out highlights – when Ant took off almost from the free throw line. And you guys, I mean, in that that moment, people should go back and listen to that call because Ant hits a corner three, and you're, like, talking basketball. You're talking about 50-50 balls, like, educating the listener. And then you just paused yourself because Grady was going to cook a little bit as Ant was cooking. So it's been the most fun season ever. I think there's only seven teams or seven seasons where the Wolves have won more than they've won now, but there's still 23 games left or whatever, Phil. So... Yeah. We're running out of those tweets that Jim loves, but uh, they are on pace, I think, to hit 60 wins or 59 and a half, which would eclipse the 58 and 24 record they had back in 0304. Someone say something. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, no, I'll jump in. I'll jump in. I'll jump in. Yeah, I mean, I'm with like the, the fact that we only get this type of season once every 20 years. Like, I, I was we, I was trying to think yesterday with, with Judd and Declan on a podcast about. How many seasons of the 35 years that you mentioned, Jim, season ticket holders, how many of those 35 seasons brought in new fans in waves, right? The first one did because they were an expansion team. And then I think the KG Marbury first playoff run in 96-97, oh, this team's good for the first time, brought in a new wave of fans. Maybe the 03-04 team, which was the culmination of a decade of KG, and that's the best team in franchise history. Rubio Love, that era was fun for a minute. Um, I don't, that Jimmy Butler-Tom Thibodeau season on paper was supposed to be fun, but it felt like just kind of pulling teeth for the entire time. This is right up there in terms of like just capturing. We've heard from so many people that, you know, I'm a Wild fan, I'm a Vikings fan, and the Timberwolves have always just kind of been over here for me, and I've been to five games this year, and it's amazing the vibe at the Target Center. This season ranks really high on opening the floodgates for new fans to enjoy this team for the first time. You know, I, I think that this is, I don't know, and we can have a discussion about this. I, I, I think that there's sort of a, 
I don't know, a detente. Like, we don't talk about Gerson Rosas that much. Um, and for whatever reason, you know, we don't need to go down the litany or whatever. But I think that he deserves more credit than I think he's actually getting for what this team is. Um, the fact that, you know, because, like, you have to remember, it wasn't uh, just a foregone conclusion that Anthony Edwards was the number one. He was not a consensus number one pick. We could have easily picked LaMelo Ball and not been wrong in the moment. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and James Wiseman was was not, you know, we, there wasn't a lot of video to see what he actually was, but what you did see was pretty incredible. And he like he had a big upside in terms of people how people thought about him, right? So getting that right was huge. Bringing us Chris Finch, that, that's Gerson Rosas that did that. You know, there was it was not a popular move to bring a guy that's a sitting assistant coach in another team yeah. to bring him onto a team that it was a it was not a popular decision. And he took a lot of flack for that. And but yet here we have Chris Finch now drafting or not drafting, but getting Nas Reed, an undrafted free agent into the fold here, drafting Jaden McDaniels. Like there, there are a lot of Gerson Rosas fingerprints on this team that need to be acknowledged. I I feel like just I'm just saying if you're going to tell the truth and you're going to be honest about and that's kind of what I kind of pride myself on of, of saying what's obvious in front of us. You've got to give Gerson some credit. Now, Tim has been fantastic. You know, Tim has made all these different moves. I mean, getting the keel and the Mike Conley trade and all the things that Tim has done, bringing in Kyle Anderson. Like, this team would not be at this team without Tim Conley as well. But um, there's a lot of things that we have a lot to be thankful for, and, and Gerson's part of that story. Yeah, I remember he acquired Jaden in that 2020 draft, which was, as Jim said, the most difficult draft to, like, scout because there was no March Madness. Everyone's COVID locked up. So, like, there was no real – like, it was all over Zoom – I think he got Jaden Jim and Ricky Rubio that draft for like Poku and James Johnson. And now yeah. Poku was just cut by. Yeah. So, I mean, that's another win. And then, yeah, very few people remember that. I'm so petty, as everyone on the chat knows. But uh, when they <laughs> hired Finch, Rick Carlisle at the time was upset. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Because he was, I think, the director of the coaches association or whatever. But he was like pretty upset about that, even though I think, spoiler alert, Rick Carlisle just got handed the job in Indiana as well. But, uh, that was another one that's like Gerson Rosas has his fingerprints all over this team. So credit to him. And then Tim Conley just kept cooking uh, when he came in. So it's been really fun. I didn't know this. Jim actually said this last week, but the best season in Timberwolves history was 03-04. They win 58 games. I didn't know this, but the next season was when they only won 44 and missed the playoffs. So again, oh, Jim, you've been really good about this. Like, just enjoy this. Whatever this is, enjoy this moment because the best season in this history of this franchise the falling season was a disaster, and then it led the, to multiple disasters. And the funny, as much as I'd love to let 10 seconds of silence pass now every time Kyle <laughs> gets done talking, just to make this more hilarious, the season after the season that you talk about, Jim P, I mean, Jim P, you were on the call for that season. I feel like it, it was it was tumultuous, and that was the season where Latrell Sprewell rejected the con- It was like a three-year, $21 million deal because he's got kids to feed. You know, it's not enough money, and... Uh, Cassell was getting older and all, all all the things that happened, but they started making a run toward the end of the year. And we all thought if they could just get in as the eighth seed. And I think they beat, I can't remember if it was Sacramento or somebody and they capped off, like it was like their third or fourth win in a row. And that's where KG had the famous post game interview. We're coming, we're coming. And they wind up missing the playoffs, but you're right. It's, it was a pop-up year ultimately. And then the franchise went into a tailspin this feels like the start of something, right? 
this feels like like you guys go on basketball reference and you see when franchises stack like 15 straight playoff appearances and they go to the finals two or three times, whatever. To me, maybe I'm being a homer here, Jim Pete. This feel it doesn't feel like, oh, they're gonna be good this year and then we'll see what happens next year. It feels like the start of a of a ten year run here in the Western Conference. Well, and Mike Connolly's signing was a big part of that too. Like in terms of making you feel that way, you know, I think that when you sign Mike to that two year deal, Mike's not gonna commit to this city. Um, if it, if he doesn't feel like there's something that that's really good brewing, and I think Anthony Edwards being 22 years of age, I mean, I I think that hopefully that you know, Ant's going to have the kind of career where he's going to wear one uniform, he's going to be like a Kobe Bryant or a Larry Bird or you know something like you know of that nature. Like he, like I I didn't really necessarily love that Michael Jordan left the Bulls and Jerry Krause had something to do with that and the timing of all that. Like there's no way Jordan should have worn another uniform. But um, I don't want Anthony Edwards to wear any other uniform besides the Timberwolves uniform. So from that standpoint, yeah, you're right. It could could, could be a good run. And, you know, it's just uh, that, that year, that second year you were talking about after 0304, talking about Spree not being able to feed his family. Sam Cassell was also asking to get out of there. Like he wanted to get mm-hmm. out of Minnesota. He's telling teams that would come in to play and hey, get me out of here. Like, <laughs> like that was happening the next year. Like it wasn't sustainable, unfortunately, and KG deserved better. You know, and that's why, and that's why I think with Tim Connolly, with Chris Finch, Ant now doesn't have the volatility that Carl Anthony Towns has had to deal with. I mean, think about all the coaches and front office people that have come through this franchise since Towns has been drafted in 2015, and so Ant has the luxury now, I think, of sustainability through Tim Connolly and Chris Finch, and um, and the sensibilities that Alex Rodriguez and 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 uh, Mark Laurie are going to bring to the to bear as well. So, you know what? I'm just excited for our, our fans, our, our, the people that spent all the money to come to these games. It's not getting any cheaper. It's oh, the prices are only going to go up, and um, and and for them to you know get this kind of product now just makes me so happy for them. Phil, not to play devil's advocate, but one of my 10 biggest basketball memories is Thunder Heat back when they were the Heatles and the oh, Thunder yeah. were the young up and coming, you know, Durant and Harden and Westbrook and Ibaka. And I'll never forget when the Heat were clinching that. I think it was probably their first title with their big three. Harden mm-hmm. and Durant and Westbrook standing on the sideline, arms over each other. And I think it was Mike Breen on the call, but he was like, look at those young trio. Like they're going to be coming back for a long time. And like three months later, they traded Harden because of contract stuff and CBA stuff. So, mm-hmm. Again, I'm, I know I'm Mr. Optimist, but that's another reason why I'm like, I don't really want, I don't care what Jaden McDaniel's contract looks like next year. I don't care about the second apron. Like, this actually might be it. They, you might have a down year next year. I'm hopeful that they don't, and I'm sure Tim Conley will figure it out. But I, I'm focused on today. Be where your feet are. I am enjoying this more than ever. Credit to Jim. Credit to everyone with that organization. But uh, tomorrow's not guaranteed. So if, if you don't enjoy it now, you might never enjoy it. Yeah, I think you're right. You don't want to just assume in sports. Oh, like look at Dan Marino is the most famous example from the nineteen eighty four Dolphins. I think it was eighty three Dolphins, eighty four Dolphins. It was his first or second year in the NFL, and look at this throw for four thousand yards. This is great. Going to light the sky in the eighties and usher in this new era of the Dolphins and quarterback played. My, and Dan Marino played two decades, never got back. So, I mean, the Timberwolves have to get there first and yeah. get to the finals for the first <laughs> right. time. That's that's step one. I think I think two things can be true. You're right. Take advantage of this moment because there is an opening here in the Western Conference to push through and play in June. And if they can at least keep Anthony Edwards and 
I think Anthony Edwards, Jaden McDaniels, Nas Reed as like the trio that's in their early 20s together and then see what the veteran mix looks like in two or three years. They should be able to have multiple bites at the apple. Maybe we can hold space for both those two feelings. <laughs> if they lose Ant, I'm done. I'm with Jim. <laughs> if Ant's wearing another jersey one year, I'm out. Why are we so afraid of that? Not you, Kyle. I'm saying like we, the royal we, Minnesota sports fans, we're so afraid of that across all the different sports. Like it could be the it could be a gopher football team. Like, oh my God, PJ Fleck beat Auburn. He's gone, right? We're all we're we're always nervous about our superstars leaving and our coaches leaving. It happens a lot less than we think if we go back. I mean, KG stuck around probably two years y- longer than the rest of the league wanted him to, for sure, right? I mean, KG was... Jim P, didn't KG have to be essentially coaxed into that trade? Or KG by the didn't end- want to be traded. Yeah, KG Correct. didn't want to be traded, and he was angry that he was traded, actually. Yeah, he did. He was not happy with, with Mikhail. He was not happy with Fred Hoiberg. Um, when he was moved, he did not want to be moved. But then in hindsight now, after the fact, I think the story that KG would tell would be much different because now he went to a storied franchise and he saw that the grass actually was greener on the other side of the fence. <laughs> yeah. you know? Because, you know, that's the one thing they say, you know, it's like they, the old saying is that, you know, don't wish yourself to be, you know, have to see the grass, the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. You know, it's time to do some, some heavy digging on your side, you know, which, what you know isn't always true. Sometimes the grass is greener. That Celtics, um, the history there, and what he was able to sort of build on top of with Paul Pierce and Ray Allen. Um, I think he, I think he would say that he wished he would have left earlier after the fact. And I think that's one of the things why I respect Carl Anthony Towns so much. You know, I think um, I don't think Cat gets nearly enough credit for because KG is one of his mentors, you know, so KG is talking to him about life and about, you know, the lay of the land. And this is what the landscape is like. And this is what can happen. This is, um, this is what the situation you're in right now. And Carl could have left it, you know, cause he's got enough money, you know what I mean? Like he could have got the same money someplace else, maybe a year less or whatever the case may be, but Carl could have left at some point And he hasn't, he stayed here. He's been loyal to this fan base. And for that one reason, the Timberwolves fan base should be very, very loyal and give him a lot more leash than I think some people give him. Um, I, I I have a lot of adoration for that dude, man, because he could have left and he didn't. He stayed. Here's one of the guys. He didn't do what Kevin, Kevin Love wanted out as well. Um, so I don't know. I'm just I'm just a really big fan of, of what's going on right now, and I think that uh, I think that these guys all want to be a part of it, and hopefully that you know it's really about how much money. Uh, Mark Laurie and A-Rod want to spend because the the Ducks are on alignment right now. All the contracts are signed. Guys are signed. The money's been spent. Yeah. Can you keep it together? That's the question. Hey, I'm going to go a little off script here since we're going down memory lane. Phil, this isn't on the agenda, but I just want to say this on the record. I didn't text Jim this from last Friday, but I know it. Jim, I know you got stops against Brooke Lopez in that workout. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else saw that, but they did my guy dirty showing Brooke Lopez doing one-on-ones in the pre-draft workout against Jim, and they didn't show any of Jim's stops. And I know Jim got stops against Brooke Lopez. Jim, you were you were that wasn't just the only one though, right? You were doing a lot of different kind of workout stuff for no, Wolves draft I, stuff. I attended a okay. lot. I have attended a lot of workouts over the years. I've seen a lot of people work out. Um, that's the first time that I was ever asked to participate. Okay, that's what it was. Do you have and, any good any good stories from that? Watching guys well, come mean, through that cooked? 
No, I mean, it's just, it's just, it was just funny because, you know, I had breakfast with Jeff Munich that morning and literally I'm in a suit um, <laughs> and um, I'm getting, I think I was doing something uh, like I was doing a talk or something. I was doing something for the team. So I came to the, the gym, like in a suit, Jeff Munich and I had breakfast over at Ike's on six. Mm. Oh. And, and so we had the full on Ike's breakfast, Phil. And it was, I mean, and we were going to go watch the Brooke Lopez workout afterwards. Me and I were going to sit there and watch it. So I'm sitting there with Mune, and Fred Hoiberg walks up to me and he goes, would you mind putting on some practice gear and play defense against Brooke? And I'm like, I'm 46 years old. I mean, like, I'm like an old man who just had breakfast, you know? And so I, I told Fred, I said, sure, I'm getting ready to coach the Lynx. This is like 2008, right? So I started my coaching thing with the Lynx about that same time. <laughs> so he brings me Al Jefferson's shoes, and Al <laughs> Jefferson's practice gear. And so I put, I put that on and I go out there and, and Mikhail and, and Randy Whitman are sitting over there. Uh, you know, this is the old practice facility inside the, you know, the bowels of target center and Mikhail and, and Whitman are over there going like, Hey, get the paddles ready. Cause Jim Pete's going to have a coronary here. <laughs> like they were like, <laughs> and so they were giving me a hard time. And then the workout started, and I swear, I was getting stops. Like, I was blocking a shot. I was pushing him off the block. I was making him miss shots. I really, I swear this is the honest to God's truth. I started playing less. I didn't play as hard. I was kind of letting him kind of, like, score more because I didn't want to do this to the poor kid during his workout. <laughs> but we had, man, it was just, it was a battle. And luckily, like, there was a camera crew there to catch the little bit. Because people, I tell this story to people, and nobody believes me. And I didn't really even see that video until they showed it on TV that night, by the way. So our producer found it. We had some some video that was in the studio because it was a Fox shooter that did it, uh, a FSN studio a shooter that shot that video. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I don't know, it's part of the lore, the Jim Pete lore, whatever there is out there of Jim Pete lore, it's, but that's that's part of it. It's hilarious. It's like you're sitting on a plane. You can't hide when you're a seven-foot basketball player. If you're a doctor on a plane – and someone says, are there any doctors on the plane? If you're not really feeling it, you can just kind of put your headphones back on and blend into your seat. But if, uh, if someone says, hey, is there a seven-foot former basketball player? <laughs> uh, no. no. I'm not sure what you're talking about. <laughs> well, all I say is, all, all I got to say is I acquitted myself pretty well that day. All I say, my footwork, I, I had some pretty good footwork going on at 46. So, yeah, I feel good about it, actually. I love it. I, I also saw, Kyle, You, I think you sent this to me. Somebody on one of the Wolves off days last week, I can't remember which account it was. It was I think it's Wolves box scores. Had a little Jim Wolves box highlight. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, hey, the Wolves are off today, so here is a highlight package of Jim Peterson from the '80s, and it was <laughs> it was just you rocking it with the rock. What are like, what are like your three favorite flexing moments of your basketball career? Hmm. Um, well, one of the first games I played was an exhibition game against uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. My my first exhibition game was um, against Artis Gilmore and the San Antonio Spurs. My second game was against Dr. J at the Summit in Houston. Oh, that's a church now, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, and I blocked Dr. J's dunk in transition. I blocked wow. his I blocked his dunk. He knocked me to the ground, and they called a foul on the play. But I cannot tell you how – I mean, I don't even know what your surreal moment would be. 
Um, maybe it's it's your f- a fantasy date with an actress that you're actually sitting in front of, you know, and you're having a conversation at dinner with your fantasy date. But for me, Julia Serving was the guy. I had his poster on my wall. I had the, the the classic Dr. J like you know dunk poster in my wall. For me to actually go up and block his dunk in transition was it was a foul, but it still was a flex moment because I blocked his did, dunk. Did he you tell? Dunk. Did you tell Dr. J to get that ish out of here afterward? Or did you stay quiet? <laughs> no, but no, but seriously, I'm laying on the floor and Doc like Doc like his his big his big hand came down to pick me up off the floor and he he picked me up off the floor and he patted me on my backside and he said he said nice block. Like like that was that was so that was it's not really a flex moment but it was just one of my seminal moments of of, of my early, you know, career. Um I I think what I don't know like Probably one of my best plays was in the in the NBA Finals. I had a, a an offensive rebound dunk, and it was like in between McHale, Parrish, and Larry Bird. They were all right there, and I just I just like hammered it back on their heads, and we ended up winning Game Five in that playoff series. So Boston wins the first two in Boston. We win Game Three in Houston. We lost Game Four on a tip in by Bill Walton. If we would have won Game Four, because we won Game Five, and Game Five was the game that Ralph Sampson punched Jerry Seesting and got kicked out of the game. And so that's when I had to come on and you know take over for Ralph. And that's when I got that dunk on Mikhail. The the building was crazy. And so that's probably my the best play of my of my career. One one follow up on you blocking Dr. J. You said you did you know it was a foul in the moment or if that was modern day, would you have spun your finger around and asked for a review? <laughs> I would have totally done that. Absolutely. Because okay. it was no contact. It was <laughs> It's hilarious, man. Oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> Are we? Should we do the Jaden McDaniels thing? Can we just let Kyle cut open a vein on anti Jaden McDaniels Twitter right now? Kyle, no, no. Start, I, Kyle, I, go I'm nuclear right now. I'm curious to hear about this, Kyle. I'm curious to hear about your Jaden McDaniel take. Uh, my, my take is, and I'll. Jim, I mean, Jim and I talked about this for the first nine holes. Speaking of fantasy <laughs> moments, like I got to golf eighteen with Jim, so I, I'm good on my yeah, fantasy but, moments. But um, people keep saying like we need to have a Jaden McDaniels discussion. And I just want to know what the discussion is because I I know his he signed a contract extension and next year he's going to get paid. I think he's going to be the 65th highest paid player in the league next season. This year he's 269th. Um, he hasn't taken the offensive leap that many of us had thought. But I also remember at media day when Finch told us flat out, there's no more pie for him to really have. Like there's there's not a lot of room for him because of usage for Ant and usage for Carl and we have to keep Rudy happy and Mike and all these other guys and Nas is coming in. So if you're disappointed they hasn't taken the leap, I'm just concerned or confused. Like, and Jim, you, you do call it like it is, and I think Brett Robson does this too, where I don't like when Jaden goes rogue and tries to like do his own thing or you know just kind of attack the basket by himself. But last night was a great example too. There's this play I tweeted out where Ant drives, five guys collapse on Ant. Jaden's wide open in the slot. Monty Morris is pointing at Jaden McDaniel's like the ball should go there. Ant does not pass him the ball. So if Jaden's not going to get spoon-fed and Jaden's not allowed to go hunt for his own food, how does Jaden eat? It's just a question. It's a, and Jim, you see the game light years more than I do. I know there are frustrating, frustrating aspects, but he's also, his foul rate per 36, lowest of his career. He's fouled out once in 2024. And that demeanor that he has, it's like, does he care? He looks frustrated. It's the same demeanor that the team's Twitter account memed when they're like happy Jaden, sad Jaden, excited Jaden, frustrated Jaden. They're all the same face. 
He's doing the same stuff, I think, Jim, that he's always done, but we just had high expectations for him. And that's before you factor in all the personal stuff that he might have going on with, you know, ha- maybe have, you know, having a kid and stuff. But that's my rant to you, and you see it better than I do. And we kind of disagreed on some stuff, but what, what does your Jaden McDaniels conversation or discussion look like? Well, I just look at what the things you can do to, that you can control. And right. so, you know, some of the you, what you can control is, is your energy level. I think that like how hard you play, I think you can control that, you know. And so when you're a supremely gifted, like I just feel like Jaden's like is an elite level athlete. Like and, and that's I mean, obviously, all NBA players are are elite level. But then there are there's you know, there's stages of even at that level, at the, at the NBA level, he's as athletically gifted, both with, you know, physical gifts and, um, and the speed and, and, and jumping ability and those kinds of things as well. He has those gifts on top of the being six eleven with a seven foot wing, seven foot two wingspan, whatever his arms are. I just think he could do more. I think he could corner crash more. Like you look at some of these guys in the NBA, you look at Mikael Bridges, some of the stuff that he does, you know, like he did with Phoenix, by the way, because like Jaden is more like Mikael Bridges playing for the Phoenix Suns because he was marginalized too, by the way. He was not, you know, if you put, when people were saying this when Mikael Bridges was traded to Brooklyn, right? I think that Jaden, if he went to another team, like he could do what Mikael Bridges is doing. I'm not sure that that's true because I don't know if he is wired up to think that way and to want more for himself like that. So I just don't, you know, that's the, just what's going on from the, from the mental standpoint of how he's thinking the game. I just think he could play harder. I think he could, he could crash more. And if he's not getting balls, if he's not getting the ball within the flow of the offense, he could go get some rebounds. I've never yep, heard a coach say rebound too much. Rebounding is a big one. Yep. Um. So, so, I just think there's opportunities for him because, like, if you just watch him, just watch watch him when shots go up in the corner for Minnesota, when when a three ball goes up, does he rotate out of the corner to start getting back on defense? Does he go and circle back to the elbows? Because a lot of times, think about where the ball bounces. They bounce long a lot of times, right? Is he just standing in the corner and then does he kind of just jog back on defense or does he, you know, it's not, he's not opportunistic. I think, I just think he could do a little bit more from that standpoint. Hey, uh, and we have like two or three minutes left here with Jim Pete and we'll get to a random wolf of the week. If he, if let's say next year or the year after the roster is such that the wolves are asking Jaden McDaniels to do more offensively. What does his fully realized version as a player look like? Is there a comp, Jim Pete? I'm kind of putting you on the spot with that, but what what does a fully realized Jade McDaniels look like if he's if he's playing hard all the time? If he is shooting more shots and just being asked to do more in like three or four years? I don't know. I mean, like is is Mikhail Bridges? I mean, like what he is, was Mikhail Bridges? Phoenix Suns version, yeah, right? Because he was behind Chris Paul and Booker and uh, Aiton at the time. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just, you know, you, I want his numbers to go up exponentially. You know, like he's right now, like, like so Jaden went from 5.8 to 7.9 to 9.1, and now he's down to eight, 8.4 shot attempts. You know, these are shot attempts. And, yeah. you know, scoring-wise, he's he was at 12-1 last year. He's at, he's at 10-3 now. I just kind of felt like he was going to go from 12-1 to, to 14. Yeah. Maybe that's too much ask given, like, what Kyle was talking about with the usage and stuff, but – I don't know. There's, there's, there's ways, there's a lot of ways to accumulate points, you know, yeah. you get to the free throw line. You can, you can run in transition. Like you can go get an offensive rebound. You can, there's so many ways that you can help your team. So 
Um, anyway, I, I just think that, that Jaden has got more to give. And I think he's the one key. And this is what I was saying yesterday during our game. I was just saying, like, I think Jaden is the one that's going to make the Minnesota Timberwolves um, NBA Finals ready. That if he can go to the next level, if he can contribute like that 12 to 14 points, they're going to be unstoppable. I think he can do it. He did have that eight-second violation that he forced last night that I you rarely see. But I'm with Jim. Last night was his first night good game in six weeks probably, right? Kind of like the offense was bad in January. That's a real thing. Jaden's been in a funk. I just I keep coming back to the fact, Jim, that he's getting paid less this year than his brother Jalen. And I don't think half the people listening to this know where Jalen McDaniels is playing. So, and I mean, I don't either. I mean, I, I guess he's on the Raptors, but uh, he does have a pay increase coming. He needs to increase his production. Jim's right. I just take it easy on him. He's like a three and D guy that not you, Jim, just people that keep tweeting at me how much he makes in 2029. By the way, real quick, like it's if you st- I'm down a rabbit hole now on his uh, basketball reference page when, when he does shoot. He, so he shoots 77 percent at the rim, which is above league average. That's very yeah. good. He shoots 49.5% from the painted area, 52% from the 10 to 16-foot mid-range, and then he shoots, he's about a league average three-point shooter. It's like he's efficient when he does shoot and when he does score. But he's an excellent corner three-point shooter. 40% 40 or more, I think, from the corner, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. he's an excellent corner three-point shooter. You know the thing that makes me disappointed? We never got to Caitlin Clark either, by the way. We're going to get to Caitlin Oh, we'll say that there's no deadline. She'll break Pete Maravich's record in the next game. Let's do a deep dive next week for sure. Let's let's not shoehorn it in in 30 seconds. I know, but I, I just, I mean, do you guys realize that Pete Maravich scored all those points in 83 games? No. What? What? Pete Maravich scored f- all those points in eight in eight. He only played three years because freshmen weren't allowed to play as fr- as freshmen yeah, until 1972. Yeah. So Pete Maravich only played his sophomore, junior, and senior year. He averaged 44 points a game. <laughs> That's why. And he did. He he scored all of those points in 83 games. Caitlin Clark has done what she's done in 129. And Kelsey Plum did what she did in 139. So yeah, that's crazy. I mean, but but so Pete Maravich scored all those points in 83 games. I just I just thought that was amazing. It looked that's like amazing, the, man. Caitlin Clark was at the at the barn last night, right? It looked like that place was. Yeah, Caitlin popping. Clark was there, and, and I had a chance to. I chatted with. Uh, I had to call my girls. I had to call Re- uh, Rebecca Brunson and Lindsey Whalen to talk about uh, Caitlin Clark a little bit today, just kind of prepping for this thing. So we'll save it for next yeah. week. Okay, when she she'll break the record and yeah. we'll do a, a deep dive next week for sure. All right, okay, Jim. Pete, Thank you, sir. Awesome okay, stuff, man. man. Okay, there see you guys. Is. Jim right. Pete yeah. Thursdays here on Flagrant Howls, Kyle. We'll get to a random wolf of the week in a second, but let's shout out a couple of our friends, starting with Modest Brewing. So I don't know. It was like probably six months ago. It was sometime last summer, maybe six seven months ago. And uh, Daniel, one of the owners over there, was showing us in construction at the time the new group gathering spot that has now officially opened up uh, perfect for party size 40 to 120, an amazing private event spot, whether it's corporate parties, happy hours, birthday parties, wedding stuff, you name it, private entrance in private bar and a great view overlooking the brewery as well. And a tricked out AV setup too. So you can obviously bring like a DJ in, whatever you want to do at Modest Brewing. You can find out more information at modestbrewing.com. It's just steps away from Target Center in the North Loop. A great place, by the way, for pregame drinks during this Timberwolves homestand. So uh, check them out, modestbrewing.com. Also, 
Our friends at AG1 are trusted by top athletes all over the world and me, Kyle. I don't want to put (laughs) us in the same sentence. AG1 is a simple and comprehensive foundational nutrition supplement for whole body health. I discovered AG1 about seven years ago. One scoop mixed with your water in the morning or for me lately, the last few months, it's been middle of the day. It just works out better for me that way. And I like to uh, I like to give myself a little bit of a jolt middle of the day. 75 high quality ingredients. And it gives you that peace of mind that you are getting nutritional supplement, uh, uh, a foundational nutrition supplement, I should say. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash flagrant howls. That's drinkag1.com slash flagrant howls. Can I give one plug? Please Since you do. Mentioned, yeah. You mentioned Modest Brewing and the party. Do I have this right? I'm going to be a company man here. Tickets go on sale tomorrow for the Purple Daily Draft Party? Not only do they go on sale, they're also available for free Okay. Woo-hoo! tomorrow at 10 o'clock. So, yeah, thank you for the, the reminder on well, that. Well, I only Kyle, bring so. it up because I strong-armed my way into some Vikings coverage, so I think I will also be at that event running yes. around screaming about the draft. But uh, that's going to be awesome. I, I've seen videos of past draft parties Score North has had in Purple Daily, but uh, if you want to go hang out and talk Vikings or just Wolves, because it's going to be around the same time the Wolves are probably – winning their first playoff series in 20 years. So uh, go get those tickets, free and VIP packages. Dude, this is, and I'll give you the full information here. This is the most fun event. It's the third. So this is like, this is like our Super Bowl basically every year at Purple Daily. And um, it's going to be Thursday, April 25th. Seven o'clock is when the podcast starts. And when the draft starts, we're going to have a huge giant screen on mute, obviously with the draft coverage. You can watch it and then listen to us do the podcast Kyle, you're going to be in. We've got some other fun contributors coming in uh, as part of the Score North family. And so 10 o'clock Friday is when tickets are available. General admission is free, or you can get your hands on a $100 VIP package that includes premium balcony seating, access to a private bar and lounge, two drink tickets, food voucher, purple daily beanie, and an exclusive meet and greet with the show. Myself, Judd, and Declan. Scorenorth.com slash party. Scornorth.com slash party. So, again, it's free to get in if you want to go the general admission free route. You got to have a ticket, though. So we're encouraging people to go to scornorth.com. It's waste management. You don't just get to show party. up and come in. <laughs> you got to have a ticket. So, all right, boys, in the last few minutes here, let's do our random wolf of the week where Ross Brendel, our great producer, has a bunch of clues. He's going to give them out one by one. And, uh, Kyle, you and I are going to fight to the death. A wolves historical fight to the death. I I gotta find the uh there, I gotta find this and send it to you guys. But there was like a some Australian local news channel I think picked up our podcast with Shane Hill. Oh really? So <laughs> it is spreading like a Western Australian wildfire. Um, but I love it. I uh, I'm excited for another round of this. Ross, do you have the updated score? The correct score, not the one that Phil sends you. Nine to five. Okay. Okay. Yeah, my, mine says that I'm up eight to four, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that would, we'll have to Kyle know that leads nine we'll to five. Oh, what a way to make a living. Nope. No singing on this podcast. So, okay. Corey Brewer, <laughs> AK 47, JR Ryder, and Sam Mitchell are the last four random wolves of the week here. Yeah, Ross, Corey Brewer, take it away. Corey Brewer's last week, right? 
Yes, he was okay. last week. Okay, let's get and, it. And uh, by the way, uh, new way to do this. I avoided the algorithm this week thanks to Peter D on the X machine who gave me the suggestion. If you would like to give me a suggestion, you can DM me at the Ross Brendel on the X machine. Clue number one. This random wolf of the week played in just 249 games. Okay. I know that clue typically does nothing for Kyle, but my apologies, Kyle. I mean, it narrows it down. It's not going to be Kevin Garnett. Fair point. This random wolf of the week was selected late in the first round of the NBA draft, not by the Minnesota Timberwolves. See, that's mm. interesting. Like a first-round pick that kind of flamed out, basically. That's, you know? that's See, the, the only player the Wolves signed for two decades. <laughs> this random wolf of the week wore number 13 in the National Basketball Association. I'm bad at numbers, so I am advantage too. That one Kyle is here. the worst clue. Good clue, Ross, but I don't get it. <laughs> okay, we'll move on. In 1994. Oh, boy. This random wolf of the week was named High School Player of the Year by Gatorade, USA Today, Parade, and more. So went from being High School Player of the Year to not even being a lottery pick to not even playing 250 career NBA games. Okay. You are correct. Says the guy standing in a glass house throwing stones. (laughs) This random wolf of the week played just 90 games for the Minnesota Timberwolves over two seasons. Okay, interesting. So (laughs) carry the one. This random wolf of the week is 49 years young. Oh, so then let me just do some math. I'll, we can just vent this out. This is my I was guess, but told I had there na- would be no I was going to say Nate Knight because he wore 13. I'm just only focused on 13 now. Corey Brewer wore 13, Nate Knight, but Nate Knight is not 50. He wasn't the 1994 high school player of the year, Nate Knight. <laughs> I think this, I skipped that one. <laughs> this random wolf of the week, gentlemen, was six foot five playing guard. A six foot five guard. And it's And it's someone that. Someone thought it would be funny to send it to you. You yeah. know, that's, they that's, gave me a few. The this is truly random. I, that's. I don't know how long it would have taken the algorithm to pull this name out. This random wolf of the week played for three different NBA franchises. The second of which was the Minnesota Timberwolves. So drafted, and there was. It, if if my age math is right, this is an era where this is like between the Steph KG era and the KG Spree Cassell era where they had so many different roster iterations. Phil is really good at this. He's he's getting yeah, in the he's, ballpark. He's dissecting. I, this I'm or excuse me. Phil's not getting in the ballpark. He's getting in the arena. This random wolf of the week was part of two of the seven straight one-and-dones in the NBA playoffs for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I think once you give the points per game, which sometimes that does nothing for Kyle, but it, like, sparks me. I want to know, like, did this guy, was he, like, an eight points a game rotation guy, or was he, like, two points a game, you know, mopping up? 
Well, let's see if this one helps you. It might start turning here. This random wolf of the week is a native of the Dominican Republic. Oh, my God. I keep having... I'm just going to throw out a guess, but it's, like, wrong on nine different clues. Is it Mike James? It is not Mike James. He, he, he came I'm around. Yeah, he kind of came around toward the end of the KG era. <laughs> Tell me what I do bad. I was interning for Chad Hartman when Mike James came <laughs> Such on. Such a great the, phone the famous call. interviewer. Chad was poking him like, who are you, guy? You know, he's like, I'm the best player in the NBA. Tell me what I do bad. Tell me what I do bad. <laughs> Remember that same interview, Phil? He compared himself to a prostitute. That's right. <laughs> you might have been interning there, yeah, too. Okay, he basically no. said, you don't really want me, but in the end, you'll settle for me. Yeah. It was basically what, what the quote God, that was. would do numbers on a podcast now. <laughs> I'm going to have to. I'm going to copy that one. Thanks, Mike. Prior to playing for the Minnesota Timberwolves, this random wolf of the week was a member of the now defunct Vancouver Grizzlies. Oh, my gosh. Oh, <laughs> man. I may have to get some bonus clues ready. Oh, I have no idea. This one I don't think will help you, but I just wanted to mix in the name. This random wolf of the week played for Fran Fraschilla at St. John's. For Did, an expert, Fran Fraschilla Fran also Fraschilla. coached the Grizzlies at one point? Maybe yeah. that explains how this or guy... Or that Mike Fra... Mike oh, you're thinking of Mike Fratello, maybe. <laughs> tomato, tomato. Fratello for, for mono. I don't, I don't, All I'm, right. This random wolf of the week scored his career high 26 points against the Minnesota Timberwolves while playing for his final team, the Washington Wizards. Oh, man, I'm just trying to think of all the freaking guards they had back in that day. 6'5", late 90s, early 2000s. Some may still prefer to call this random wolf of the week. The Spanish Michael Jordan. What? <laughs> Some may I, prefer is... to call this random wolf of the week the Spanish Michael Jordan. Great but job. He's the, but he's Dominican. Great job, Peter D. I, I'm just going off of the, what I find on the interwebs. <laughs> he's not from Spain. But don't they? No, he's not. But don't they speak Spanish in the Dominican? Oh, okay. Yeah, they do. Okay. I'm going to be so honest Spani- with you. The Spanish-speaking <laughs> Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> this random wolf of the week was the subject of ESPN's 30 for 30 documentary entitled The Dominican Dream. This dude played 90 games with the Wolves? He did. This random wolf of the week averaged 5.8 points per game. There it is. Throughout That's the magic one. His NBA career. How many with the Wolves? 90 games with the Wolves. Oh, you want to know the points with the Wolves. Well, we'll get there. <laughs> you know, I'll just tell you. I'll mix up the order because I, I don't think you guys are ever going to get this. This I'm, random Wolf of the what Week. What was your first hint? <laughs> <laughs> this random Wolf of the Week. How many points did he average with the Minnesota Timberwolves? Now I got to find that. You you guys got me working. I like well, it. If you, another, if you have another clue. Plug. Well, I think this one's going to start to give it away. I this think- happened on the Purple Daily version of this today. Declan got mad and just told us the answer. And the, the, <laughs> for the first 150 editions. I have. No, I'm not. I'm not no going to do that to you. Uh, this random wolf of the week. Actually, don't confuse this random wolf of the week with 11 year major league baseball player. Let me rephrase that. 
Don't confuse this random wolf of the week with the 11-year Major League Baseball player who had the exact same name for the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, my God. Hold on. Uh, (laughs) This is so... What era era did the Reds player play? Like, what years? I think it's 2000s. Mid-2000s. This one's... I think this... This one's going to do it, Willie boys. Pena. <laughs> <laughs> and guard. J- Jason LaRue. From St. John's, Willie Mopena. Johnny Bench. This uh. is going to do it, so be ready, boys. Somebody's going to get it on this clue. This random wolf. This is so funny that this would come up today. This random wolf of the week is not a brother of the Lopez twins, although he does share the same last name. Oh, Felipe Lopez. Phil's correct. He got it. <laughs> Needed that Lopez clue, by the way, to get Felipe Lopez. And yeah, Felipe Lopez wasn't he a was he a was he a pitcher? No, he was an infielder. He was he was a a hitter who at one point I think almost hit twenty home runs in the season. There it is. All right, Kyle. <laughs> Kyle, do we need to get Felipe Lopez I on the pod? I own your ass, Kyle. I own your ass. I I know less about this whole game today than I did starting. I have no idea who Felipe Lopez is. Was he in our top three hundred? Uh, I don't think he made the, the the top 287. I'm not okay. sure if Felipe just Lopez is still in there. But I'm I'm happy happy to know that the Spanish speaking Michael Jordan <laughs> has made his debut. Amazing, I'll, I'll work man. on a, I'll DM Felipe Lopez. Try to get him on the pod next week. Sounds good. Peter D. Good work. Thanks for thanks, thanks for the suggestion. All right, we got to run. This is a Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, the official podcast of Felipe Lopez fans everywhere. Flagrant howls.